Welcome to Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, the place where ordinary people proclaim an extraordinary Jesus. Alex, this is the launch of Not Your Pastor's Pulpit. We've made it. And we've got our very first sermon today from Matt McDonald of Don't Feed the Trolls podcast. And he's sharing with us today from John chapter 8. He's also in A Vocal Few and The Classic Crime. Yeah, and if you want to check out Don't Feed the Trolls, may I suggest... Oh, I know where you're going with this. May I be so bold as to start with episode 36. Ah, is that the Bigfoot episode? Yes, with a special guest. Dave frickin' Duncan. My father. (laughs) (laughs) That was a great episode that they did. And did Matt play the skeptic on that episode? Is Matt, Matt's the skeptic, right? Play, I think he is. (laughs) Regardless, they have a lot of great content over at Don't Feed the Trolls. You need to check it out. But for now, let's hear what Matt has to say about Jesus. Matt, preach it. So I'm going to resist the temptation to talk about what Jesus means to me in a personal, subjective sense and focus on who Jesus was, the way he did things and addressed the issues of his day. And oftentimes we want to know, how do we apply that to to what's going on today? How do we apply what Jesus was doing in first century uh, AD to what we're doing now in, uh, what is it, 21st century AD? So assuming I'm talking to Christians on this podcast, I want to address one of the biggest questions of the day for Christians, and in particular, Christians in the West, which is, how do we address sin? How do we address sin in our culture today? And since the word Christian in English literally means followers of Christ in Greek, how did Jesus Christ address sin? That would that should be our model, right? How did Jesus address sin? And then we can go and figure out how to address sin in our day. And one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is in John 8, where the uh, religious leaders and the Pharisees of the day uh, brought a woman to Jesus who had been caught in the act of adultery, which is a crime, which was a crime, punishable by death, uh, according to the law. And uh, so people would bring people out and charge them and then stone them in the street. This is kind of the the public uh, realm where people would, you know, judge jury executioner right there. And the leaders didn't like Jesus, so they often tried to trap him into saying something that he could be um, convicted for, you know, in in their um, court of law. So they were trying to get rid of him. And uh, they asked him, the law of Moses says to stone this woman. What do you say? Now, they probably knew that Jesus loved sinners. Uh, They'd seen him uh, have dinner with them, eat with them. Tax collectors, the worst type, were the uh, Jewish tax collectors of the day because they were uh, colluding with the Romans, and that was seen as completely against the nation of Israel. So, uh so Jesus, he's he's being friends to tax collectors. I mean, clearly he's going to try to defend this this other sinner, this other woman, and um, maybe we could catch him. I'm just 
thinking from the from the part of the uh, religious leaders. Maybe we can catch him saying that he has more authority than Moses, or that the law of Moses is beneath him. The law of Moses says stone this woman. Jesus, he's probably going to try to save her. Maybe we can catch him saying something uh, stupid about Moses. And what did Jesus do? Well, here's this woman, right? She's caught destroying families with her sexual sin. And the law clearly says she must be stoned to death. What does Jesus do? Well, he takes a break. That's right. He doesn't rush to judgment. He doesn't jump into uh, the fight right away. He just stops, bends down, and with his finger starts writing in the dust of the street. Uh, which is quite the opposite of what you would expect. There, there's this, There's this heated debate that the religious leaders are expecting that, that they're going to get into with Jesus. And he stops and he drops to his knees and he's writing in the dust in this busy street. And there's all the uh, teachers of law, Pharisees, and all the people are gathered around and they're waiting. They're waiting for this stoning to happen. And Jesus is just thinking. He's just taking his time. And the leaders grow impatient, and they keep demanding an answer from Jesus. So he finally stands up and says, all right. He says, all right, fair enough. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. <laughs> Which is brilliant, because he agrees to their judgment. You know, he, he agrees to the law. Um, he's not saying that the law isn't correct or anything. He says, okay, fair enough. She broke the law, but he turns it on them. I mean, he just says, okay, but this is my one caveat. This is what I would request. The one among you who has never sinned, you throw the first stone. And he stops. He drops back down and continues writing in the dust. And then the uh, these verses come next, and I think people brush over these a little quickly and get to the end, but I think these are super important. When the accusers heard this, when they'd heard what Jesus said, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. I think we just, we brush over that. We, we want to jump right to, but Jesus said, go and sin no more. So yeah, like we need to be loving, but we need to tell people not to sin, you know, because Jesus did too. And I think, you know, the definition of sin varies greatly between cultures, ages, and denominations of Christianity. That's just a fact, Right. So, for instance, you know, I grew up in a non-denominational fundamentalist tradition. So if a woman wore pants or decided to pray out loud in church, she would be told to knock it off and essentially go and sin no more. That aside, let's just say for, for the sake of argument that we all agree on what sin is. How did Jesus address this woman, this sinner, and her sin? Because that wasn't the debate. I mean, it was clear that she had been caught in adultery, which everyone uh, in that day would have agreed was a sin. It's clearly against the law, the moral law of the day. 
And people love to focus on Jesus saying, go and sin no more because it's their license. And this is just me being, uh, this is my opinion, but it's their license to say the same to other people. But that's the last thing he said. And there was a ton that happened before that. First thing that happened was Jesus risked his own life for this woman. He stuck his neck out. He didn't have to. He had bigger fish to fry. I mean, he was Jesus, right? He had a mission, a goal to accomplish. The religious leaders were trying to trap him and convict him, and he could have just said, I mean, this is John 8, right? I don't know how linear the Gospels are, but like, there's plenty that happened after. Maybe Jesus was not trying to go to the cross so early, um, and they were trying to trap him and convict him and, and get rid of him. But he, and he could have said, well, just do as the law of Moses commands, but he didn't do that. He thought long and hard, and while the crowd gathered around, while the leaders persisted that he answer, he took a chance and saved her life. And he pointed their judgment back on them. All right, he says, fair enough, but you without sin cast the first stone. And in the next several tense minutes, as Jesus kept his eyes on the dust, one by one they walked away. So he stuck his neck out for this woman. Two, Jesus is left alone. There's no more accusers around. And he stands up and addresses the woman and says, where are your accusers? Do even one of them condemn you? And this next part is key because here Jesus was. He just risked his life. He just saved her life. And something has changed in her. She reveals her new position with two words. Did even one of them condemn you? Jesus asks. No, Lord, she replies. No, Lord. Lord. She's come to know Jesus as her Lord. He risks his life, saves her life. She calls him Lord. And then what happens? Well, then he says, neither do I condemn you. So here's a sinner, clearly broken the law. And here's a teacher of the law, a rabbi who saves her life from condemnation and refuses himself to condemn her. He absolves her, he frees her, and as they part, the very last thing he tells her is, go and sin no more. I think it's clear that something significant has happened here before these words ever come out of Jesus' mouth. An event has occurred, right? She, re- she met a rabbi, a teacher of religion, who looked upon her, a sinner, caught in adultery, with love and grace, and because of this, her life had been saved, her literal life. But I'm, I'm also thinking something spiritual happened because she called Jesus Lord. And I'm pretty sure by the time Jesus said, go and sin no more, the thought of her repeating her crime would have been the last thing on her mind. You see the difference? She experienced love and grace. That's why she got a new chance on life. She experienced someone willing to value her and take a risk for her. She didn't get a new lease on life because she was told she was wrong. She didn't call Jesus Lord because he told her not to sin anymore. She experienced love personified, and that's what changed her. I'm going to be blunt. The next time you're on Facebook or anywhere people gather, I guess that's the modern equivalent for our dusty street, and you're tempted to comment on someone's lifestyle, which you may deem as sinful, you may even have your verses to back it up. It may be in the book. It may be in the law. 
And you may even be right. But ask yourself this question. What would Jesus do? Well, first, he would show self-sacrificial love. He would come to that person's defense against accusers. Have you done that? Second, after witnessing a spiritual awakening in that person, in response to the love they experienced, he would third tell them it's okay. You are not condemned by me. I won't judge you. And fourth, only after the self-sacrificial love and the change of relationship to that person from potential accuser to trustworthy friend and defender, do you have the right to encourage them against the things that harm themselves and others. Before you condemn someone, consider your own sin as Jesus forced the religious leaders to do when he said, you without sin cast the first stone. So how did Jesus address sin? He became friends with sinners. He loved them unconditionally. They wanted to be with him. They wanted to be like him. This is why Jesus is a revolutionary. He changes the world from the bottom up. When you fall on your knees before the Lord Jesus, he stoops down and washes your feet. like to share a sermon or story about Jesus on Not Your Pastor's Pulpit, you can do so by following three simple guidelines. Keep it short, keep it Jesus, and love others. If you would like to learn more about our submission process, please go to notyourpastorspodcast.com backslash pulpit or listen to episode 26. Until next week, go in peace, my friends. Yeah.